0: I wanted to talk today about this new direction that I have. Last time we talked, we sort of discussed the millennial quarter life crisis. And I came a lot closer after that conversation to accepting that uh, I would switch my career path or just adjust a little bit. And so I'm on a job hunt and I'm applying for you know, a few jobs probably around two to three a fortnight, somewhere around that mark and it's not crazy i'm trying to be a little bit choosy um the things that have to add value yeah exactly but i'm finding that the the rejection process or even the application process i'm finding really difficult just because i have a certain amount of experience and in in a certain field i guess you know it, it is relatively specialized but I feel like I'm starting from square one again. It feels like the, the most significant thing I have on my resume is the fact that I graduated to some extent.
1: The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber, 1961 to 2020. Welcome to Blind Insights.
0: I'm here today with David Olney. How are you, David?
1: I'm very good. I had my pink coffee in a cup, which was a bit confusing because then it wasn't pink.
0: You need a pink coffee on a a kind of grisly day like today.
1: Yeah, I'm wearing my big feathery jacket, so all is okay.
0: (laughs) I'm wearing probably the most comfortable clothes I've worn to the city in a long time, like a sort of oversized hoodie. It's not very
1: professional looking, but... Do you have to be professional when you're a student? No, but I'm not really a student. You're a weird thing, aren't you? You're a mentee. Yeah. Which is better than being a minty,
0: <laughs> but also, I, you know, today's session's about social media use, and I couldn't care less.
1: So, um. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> that's much how I felt through my entire social media subject in my masters. <laughs> I'll learn how this works, so I can then ignore it. <laughs> yep, exactly.
0: Do you think that I am just waiting for someone to recognise the adaptability in my skill set, or am I really sort of? Starting again because I I don't like that idea.
1: (laughs) Man, I reckon there's probably at least two big things there. And the first I'd say for anyone that did complex problem solving with Tim or any of the other years, remember we did a skills audit early on, Hmm. where it was write down all your successes and then write down the skills that you know allowed you to achieve those successes. I, I think you really need to do that again, so that you actually see all the skills you've got because of the successes you've had. Mm. And you recognize that it's actually those skills you're offering to the world rather than the specific successes. Mm -hmm. Because if you can reconnect the two, that makes it sort of, well, to me, it's always made it slightly less of a problem that I'm not doing exactly the thing I want because I'm still using all my skills or I'm using them and getting a new one. So that's a way to kind of get a compromise in that of going, well, I'm using all my skills and I'm getting a new one. This may not be my ideal thing, but it's an okay thing. So I think that's the practical side of that. But I think the other side of what you're talking about is there's a terrible moment when you realize you're going to have to take a different path to get to the same place Mm. or take a different path and get to a different place that no one really wants to talk about. And that is that you actually have to grieve for the loss of a dream. And I'll say the loss because it's not it's dead – But you can't get there the way you thought, and maybe the dream's even going to change, which is why I would call it the loss of a dream.
0: Yeah, it has felt like that. It's something that Jade and I have, and I think you and I actually put together, was that the stages of emotions that I've been through have been very similar to grief, like going through anger and kind of going through to acceptance and yeah.
1: Yeah, and a friend of mine worked in public health and she was pretty much an expert on grief and we used to talk about it on the train going back and forth to Gawler, which is a long time ago now. It's like 2009 or ten that we used to talk about that on the train. So I don't really remember the details other than I never found the literature on grief that she was describing to me very convincing Mm -hmm. because my own experience of this idea of loss and grief really began the end of high school when i'm like shit that was just really hard work has trashed pretty much the last of my sight Mm. i have no idea what i do next everyone's saying to go to university that's just going to be more hard work with no clear end Mm. and no clear sense that putting all the effort in is going to help me get around being blind and that's when it stopped just being a thought but became a reality realizing everything about life being blind was going to have to be a deliberate choice, an extra effort.
2: Mm, mm. When
1: everyone around me, yes, they were making an effort, but in a lot of cases, they could meander their way into okay outcomes. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I begrudged them doing it, but I certainly wasn't very happy about how much work I was going to have to do with no clear sense of a good end point. But what I also know about that period is I really only let that grief overwhelm me for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. because I don't know how I realized it and I don't know where this fits in the grief literature because me, the grief literature, seems to say there's meant to be all these stages in the right order. Mm. All I realized one morning was this is bullshit. Grief is an endless circle until you decide to do something else. Mm -hmm. That was the, the certainty I literally worked out like in a penny drop moment. And what I realized, grief will just keep doing that circle thing for as long as you let it. That's what grief does, in my opinion. Mm. So my choice was to go, okay, I need to do something immediately that can earn me money and that can be a job. So I started training to be you know, a sports injury masseuse, mm. and I'd always wanted to play guitar through high school. So it's like, right, but I'll do both things properly. You know? I said to mum and dad, look, these are the two things I want to do, and thankfully they were massively supportive, and said, yeah, look the last bit of high school, having to do it being blind has clearly been exhausting. Mm. You're not talking about having a pointless gap year. You're talking about starting one thing that can earn money and one thing that can make you happy and maybe give you an artistic outlet. Go for it. Mm -hmm. But that meant that literally after the two weeks of laying on the couch feeling miserable, I immediately dived into starting the massage course in January when this was sort of mid-December I was going through the miserable bit and had my first guitar less than the first week of February. Mm. So... It was two weeks of misery followed by a month of organisation. And I wouldn't say that the grief of those realisations at 18, that cycle, circle of why is it all so hard, could be let back out of the box any time I'm stupid enough to open the door. Mm. It's another case of, again, it reinforces sort of the existential idea that you don't find yourself, you make yourself. (laughs) If I let the grief continue to, to dominate, Well, that's where I would have kept finding myself. Yeah. Instead, I made some alternatives. And I know there'd be a lot of people going through grief. You'd say, but I can't get out of my cycle. I don't know how to stop. And all I can say to that is, I don't know how to stay in that cycle because it's a guaranteed path to hell,
2: Mm.
1: which is not very helpful if someone's stuck (laughs) in the cycle.
0: Well, my only thought was that I want to be as proactive as as you, you were, like it's clear that the actions you took were able to pull you out of that. The situation I feel I'm stuck in is that the process of uh, applying for jobs is waiting on someone else. It's not necessarily – it's not just a proactive –
1: I could book in to start the massage course. I could find a guitar teacher Mm. and know what dates I started. Mm. But at least you're still doing all the right thing. The worst thing is you've still got that period of it's dependent on other people. Yeah. So maybe – I don't know, maybe the thing is to find – One thing you can do now that is under your power, so that at least you can go. Well, I have to wait for people on these things, but and again, I've sort of you know all this came up again for me when playing violin just became too painful between the bow and the white cane, Mm -hmm. and that was well, that was even worse Mm. because you know I knew exactly what I was losing. At least at eighteen, I just realised life was going to be unnecessarily difficult. (laughs) You know, how old would have I been when I stopped playing violin? So it was 2002. So it would have been 30. 30 yeah. yeah. Wasn't 31 yet. Okay. And to have literally eight years of constant, fast progress on violin mm. just ripped away. But then it was also a case of I was already doing the PhD, I'd worked out I like teaching i just converted the energy into all right where do you put the energy to counterbalance balance the grief cycle yeah into the teaching is it a perfect solution no and these things never are all you're doing is really that whole idea of accretion the grief cycle is accreting shit over on one side and you have to do something in some other space that accretes non-shit mm. and that, that's probably the, the nicest way to put it the grief side is shit and the other side has to not be whatever you pick you know, to yeah. build up on the other side has to be the opposite. Yeah. And it, all you've got to do is just outbalance the shit side by 1%. Mm-hmm. I'd say best it ever gets is you outbalance it by maybe 10%.
0: So, And that quite clearly can't be a time calculation. No. Nah. So, like, I'm very much checked out... <laughs> I I have no issue with my current employment, but I'm super checked out of it now that I've realized I want something else.
1: Yep. Yeah, you Uh, could tolerate it while mm. it was helping you start everything you were doing. Mm. But again, it it will get zapped Mm. the minute you get a job that is your credibility project that leads you towards where you want to be. 100%. So, I quite
0: simply don't have the time resources to counteract that with something that I'm enjoying. Like yeah. if that makes sense, as in I can't find something to do for an equal amount of time.
1: So it has to be like a yeah, It can't a be compressed... equal amount of time. You, yeah, you can't do it with time. Yeah. It has to be about things that provide the direction that doesn't feel like you're in an ellipse. Yep. You're not just going round and round. Mm. So even if it's slow, even if you can't put as much time in, that's less important. You know, the, the funny thing was... Mm. When you know twenty twenty rolled round, COVID started teaching via Zoom, and I realised uni is over. Yeah, and found that the masters in strategic communications existed, and that I was going to change direction and made the decision. That transition, there was no grief whatsoever. I thought there would have been. I thought I would massively miss teaching. That there would be something about the uni I'd miss. Mm. But what I really learnt with that one is you can get to a point where it's not always that you're going to grieve for things that are lost. Some things you just do because you need to. And mm. university had become one of those things. Mm. And as I keep pointing out to my former students, I miss teaching you lot,
2: mm.
1: but I don't care less about teaching new people. Yeah, I don't know them, I don't care about them. Mm. So I don't, need to, I don't need to worry about that. I certainly don't need to create an artificial connection to what might it have been like to teach a new bunch of people. Mm. So I think the big thing with making sense of some of this, at least in my own experience, is to not think that what the past was like, will the future be the same? Mm.
2: Because
1: it doesn't necessarily have to be. Like when I swapped from guitar to violin, there was no negative at the time in that. It was, here's an an instrument where I can play more notes faster. (laughs) Woohoo! And, you know, I would love to go back and tell 90s Dave, don't pick a violin up. Just write to Bill Brown in America and get him to send you guitar lessons on CD. Yeah. That That would be awesome, but it didn't happen. And if I hadn't gone to this other weird path, I wouldn't have taught all of you lot. Yeah. And we wouldn't have met and we wouldn't have a podcast and I wouldn't now be doing strategic communications. Yeah. So, (laughs) as much as it's the weirdest path and I wouldn't inflict it on anyone, and I do say that periodically to people, I wouldn't inflict my forced life choices on anyone. Yeah. Because the baggage has often been very painful. Yeah. But. The only lesson I can draw from it... And again, this is meant to be about you today. Sorry for talking so much. Because
0: it's it's, it's
1: meant to be accessible for the audience as well. So, multiple examples is great. But yeah, to me, if you get stuck in the grief loop, you're fucked. Mm. It's that simple.
0: And the reality is that there are whatever is happening now. And it's almost post-traumatic growth. Like, there's a possible eventuality, like you just pointed out, that you will look back on and be like, wow, that's amazing that if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be where I am now.
1: Yep. And that's where I think just the practical thing of the skills audit to remind you, okay, you're not doing the thing you thought you would, mm. but you have so many skills and they will get you whatever's going to become the credibility project mm-hmm. or the better thing than just working in basic retail. It might be you have to do you know one job to get you moving in a different direction and then you can jump to the thing that will be the credibility project. Mm-hmm. If you're doing the real work you want to, it might have to be two-step. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's it's The dream's got lost. It's not, it's dead. Mm. You just don't necessarily know how to get there. And with more data and more skills, the dream may evolve. Mm-hmm. Would have I ever thought, like we were talking about when we recorded the millennial episode, that I would be happy being Dave the marketing guy?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Couldn't have imagined it. Yep.
0: It's odd. I can point to something a little like that it's it's funny the in multiple ways the old me would have hated the me that i am now in some ways like i think just out of ignorance in terms of just having a judgment about certain decisions even if Mm. it's down to like yeah the lifestyle i lead now like certainly the meat eater in me and as a teenager would have been like yeah, <laughs> vegans. Yeah. And, so, yeah, and this
1: is a big thing. We do change, yeah, like this idea that we don't change all the big longitudinal psychological studies mm. say so that people change far more than they want to admit to mm. because it actually makes them uncomfortable if they didn't know how it happened. What well, happens because of life, yeah, you know, I don't remember where I heard it last week, but it was a psychologist talking about the fact that you know, if you really want to understand who you are and what you're about, pay attention to the five people you spend the most time with. Not your favorite five people, Mm. but the five people you spend the most time with. Because by the nature of how much we're a social being and the extent to which we mirror, you are shaping yourself all the time by your predominant interactions. And that's an uncomfortable thing when you desperately want to be yourself. But also, (laughs) it means if you're a little bit thoughtful... About, you know, some of those are going to be people you spend, you know, heaps of time with at work. Mm. Maybe not your ideal choice in the world, depending on what your job is. That's so interesting. I'm really lucky I get to spend a chunk of my work time with a, you know, grumpy American entrepreneur and sort of super enthusiastic, you know, enthusiastic to the point of infectious Steve Davis. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't mind my work people. They're, They're lovely. But, you know, your five people you're around are going to shape you. And the things you have to do are going to shape you. And the things you choose are going to shape you. And you get some choice, but you don't get free will. Mm.
2: <laughs> and you don't get to
1: be the you you want to be mm. unless you're willing to live in isolation. You know, unless you're willing to be Stern's egoist and live totally dislocated from everyone else. You don't get to be 100% you. Mm. Which I've learned over time I'm completely cool with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like you said, you get some choice. I, I feel that, yeah, that it's a scary thing to think about. I'm not sure that I could even describe the top five, as in I'm not sure in time. Mm. It, one would be Jade, of course, but mm. I couldn't tell you the other four. Yeah, I
1: struggle after that too. Like, yeah. uh, you know, for me, it's Karen, then probably Rich, mm. and probably Steve by the time we talk a couple of times a week for work. Yep. That, that they're my three I could be sure about. Mm. Again, now we're getting back into a routine. You, you probably make it into the five, sure, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, And then I'm really not sure who the other person would be. There's tons of people where it could be them, but the amount of time I'm just not really sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, super scary, but perhaps not the point. The, well, no, there's a good point in that, and that mm. is that whatever you're grieving for is if you will make the choices, something that has happened, and it will only happen again and again and again mm. in your head if you let it. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say you deny it. You give it its name. You tell it, it exists. You tell it it's real. You you, know, you let it cause pain. And then you do other stuff anyway. Yep. You know, it's the essence of proper Roman Stoicism. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge what is. Decide what you can do about it. We well, can't turn grief off. But you can choose what you do next. So it's that weird combination of, of William Glasser and Stoicism. Mm. Acknowledge what is. Draw a line in the sand and say, well, on this side of the line, can I make some choices that are likely to have slightly different outcomes? Well, I can. Do I love them? Not necessarily. But they're better choices than a repeating grief.
0: Yeah. Functioning on <laughs> melancholia is easier than on, like, depression, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, because
1: that's probably a good way to describe what grief eventually turns into. Mm. Like, there's always a degree of melancholy when life has been disrupted in a big enough way. Yeah. And we're not even sort of talking at the level of, like, losing people who matter. No. We're talking about losing a dream of what we do, which is huge. It's not as big as people. But still, these things have to be kept in proportion.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, the uh, emotional output from the real world input is you not—it's know, not, it's not always proportional. If that makes sense. No, it does so. I hear what you're saying. A functional thing I can do today is go home and do my skills audit and probably rewrite my resume for the fifth to time to really back
1: <laughs> the skills side mm. rather than specific events. Which might just make you feel sad, yeah. Like that's true. all the events are, is ways you can define how you've got that skill and where you used it. But it's the skills that really make you you. Well, it's going to be what you carry forward.
0: It's it's it is going to be a little bit sad to you know actually delete the, those elements from my from my document, mm. which, you know, say like cool things that I'm proud of
1: doing. Yeah, but you could use them as the example, but put the skills first. Yeah. I have these skills as, you know, exemplified in this activity mm. where no. I got you know this outcome.
0: Definitely. It's just picking the best of those bunch so that yeah. you, can, you can make room for all the things that, the skill kind of language. Mm. Yeah.
1: Because once you're putting skills in, it's amazing how many things you got in your favor. And that's, I think, part of building up the positive of, okay, the dream's lost, but guess what? You know, another thing from when we did the the skills audit in complex problem solving. Mm. You know, this all comes from a lady called Catherine Kramer who came up with something called asset-based thinking. And, you know, her big point is you'd never start from zero because of the skills you've got, ever.
2: Mm.
1: And it's something we have to remind ourselves about, particularly when we're grieving about the world's not going to be how I want it. Yeah because otherwise you don't know what power you have to affect the world. And it's via skills that whatever power you have and where you can grow power from, you know, that's your starting point.
0: Yeah. I like that optimism. The phrase that still gets to me in this kind of job application process uh, which I've been told independently by a few different people is you have to start somewhere. And I hate this I hate this problem of having to set my sights a little lower because you know that's that's what is realistic and that's sort of what works in a job market and this is why i felt like i came closer to acceptance the other week but maybe i'm not completely there yet because there's still an element of
1: i'm past this i'm you i don't know whether you can accept you can acknowledge grief Mm. So maybe words have power, and we keep talking about that because it's Mm. the whole point of the podcast, really, that the words you choose and how you use them and the ideas they fit with. So really, you can't accept, in some ways, this sucks. Mm. What's the point of saying you accept it? You can acknowledge it because it's not going to go away. You're just going to build up other stuff Mm. that will eventually outweigh it. But it will always be a box if you want to go visit in your brain, if you want to go visit grief box, Grief box is always there to be visited.
2: Mm.
1: And and that's, I think, again, why I'm not sure about the literature on grief, how it talks about that stuff. But to me, all these huge hits have a box somewhere in my brain. I can go visit any of them anytime I want. Mm. And it's not a very good idea to visit them very often. But you also (laughs) don't deny they're there.
0: Yeah, of course. And
1: you remember they're there. Because you've got to stay focused on, even if you're not doing the most thrilling thing in the world, what skill did you develop? How did it move you further away from that negative, painful thing towards somewhere where you'll have a bit more opportunity to get an outcome you want? So maybe, you know, try not to talk in terms of acceptance because what's the point of saying you accept grief? Just acknowledge it is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: You, know, you can't be Buddhist about this. I think it would be my my simple statement there.
0: So, being less, being more specific about my situation, how how do I do? Do I practically start again? Do I start from somewhere? Like is that is that the move?
1: Man, I think again, it's it's how we use words. You've Mm. got a ton of experience in retail, Mm. which has taught you how systems work, how to work with an organization, how to work in a team, all these things that the normal world values. Mm. You've got a heap of education, which means your brain can pretty much do anything. (laughs) You've got a ton of audio experience. So if we visualize that, at the very least, you've got a triangle Mm. of three points. It's just a question of where within that triangle you find a job. Mm. You're not going out into space.
0: No, that's true. Yeah. I, I guess it's – but in terms of what positions, like the, you know, am I aiming entry level or am I – that's where it feels like it's starting again, you know what I mean? I don't, mm,
1: it's, yeah, but that's part of why I call this whole idea of what you have to do next the credibility project Yeah, because it's not credibility for you. No. It's credibility for the world to trust you. Yes, so So, it once is, again, that's yeah. an important thing to acknowledge. You're not starting from scratch. What you're doing is working towards being trusted right. by strangers who can go, Tim is X – we trust him because we saw the results.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Okay. So that's that's it.
1: <laughs> this comes back to what we talked
0: about last time. Yeah. Play it, Playing the game. Name. I'm not letting whatever this position is define my career status. No. Because it's not the start of it. It's part of that journey. Yeah. yeah. I it's, like it's that. It's part point.
1: of being seen as Tim the audio guy. And why do we trust Tim the audio guy? Because we can see all the product he made. Now, yep. whatever Tim is when he's not at work, that doesn't matter to the people with that pigeonhole. Because what matters is because of that pigeonhole, they spend money. True. It's a horrible reality. But what we are talking about is the commercial reality of living in a world where we sacrifice time and a proportion of our well-being to generate income. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's just where we live.
0: Yeah. I, I feel better about that immediately. I will do my best to ignore other people <laughs> still. I think it's not that, not that
1: well, the idea again, of you have a, to start from somewhere a, is come malice. Them. But yeah, you Just yeah, acknowledge yeah. them and go, right, they're doing their thing. I yeah. have to do mine. That's it. Sometimes it will be parallel and we can work together and get better outcomes. Mm. Sometimes if I w- want to get where I want to go, I need to move faster and get ahead of them so I'm the one that's noticed. Mm. And that's not taking them out. It's realizing to get where you want to go. You need to be the one who's noticed first. Totally. It's not competing with another person, it's out-competing yourself. Mm. Going, what do I need to make this as quick and painless as possible? Yeah. Again, like we were talking about last time, you know, the minute I did the paperwork to apply via SATAC you know, for the Strategic Communication Masters, I realized I was going to have to get some conventional jobs mm. for some period of time at a minimum in communications to get the credibility. Now, dumb luck of dumb luck, I like my jobs. Mm. I couldn't have ever predicted that.
0: Yeah. I want to bring up an, an email that we received from Tony, who reached out after the last episode, who who brings up something I guess I am concerned with and, and sort of was concerned with in the last episode as well, which is he worries about working or he's upset by the mismatch of his values with the the place that he works where... I should give some context here. he works as an educator and is stressed about how the model like the the model is built around profit rather than you know about care mm. and
1: making sure that people a positive are. outcome for the student exactly
0: mm. when we talk about conventional jobs like I, i'm then also thinking it's going to be conventional profit models. And I guess you know, something I said in the last episode was I don't want to be part of this process of siphoning off money to the 1%. And not just that exclusively, like you know, also just this, if I'm involved some way in advertising and it's like, you know, you don't want to work for big tobacco, mm. that kind of element, it, it, that seems inherent or it seems to be just a part of what is out there. And my escape to that was or my escape from that was going to be working for myself. Now, realizing can't do that yet, Mm. come back to it later. Do you just have to do this? And if you're really that compelled by it, you do something about it later in life? Is that the idea?
1: Man, you you saw how much I shielded you all as students from the shit that was the uni. Oh, yeah. So, you accept, well, you acknowledge what the system is. Mm. You acknowledge how limited your power is. Mm. And use the tiny bit you've got to get better outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, once again, it's about not going that you can have an absolute one way or the other, that you're absolutely corrupted or you're absolutely in control. Mm. But acknowledging that the system is thick and mean and Mm profit-driven and going, fuck the system. Mm. Play it, playing the game. Mm. Be the shield for 100 students. Mm -hmm. And if you can't make that work, then start... Looking for your exit strategy. Now, I had walked away from university in 2015 with no intention of going back. I was only back in 2017 because I walked my former boss off campus and told him never to come back. And my last two undergrads were in the subject he'd fucked up. Mm. That's the only reason I came back in 2017. Otherwise, never would have got to teach or meet you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So the reality is I came back because, well, people were throwing money in front of me. Yeah. And students are awesome. Yeah, Again, pre-COVID, I, I could still say that I looked forward to teaching at that point. Mm-hmm. And I had a brilliant shield from the shit of the system. Yeah. So once again, was it perfect? No, it was a disaster in so many ways. I literally would get on the community bus to go into teach and feel myself starting to harden up mm. before I even got off the bus going, what shit is this institution going to put in front of me today (laughs) that makes my day or my students' day worse. Yep. Because I know it will, Mm. because it's its default setting. But I would also know that when I could get a class through who now knew a lot more, believed in themselves more, consistently went on and got higher marks, had a better idea how to game the system, get good outcomes from the system, so they would look more credible to go and do what they wanted to do after uni, that was enough as long as you can find your version of enough, nothing's perfect. You're always having to balance at some level because yeah. you're living in a world not of your making.
0: No, that's true. It That feels like an element of comprehensive competence Yeah, as a callback to
1: the book that you may be writing. Yeah. If, if other people don't get to it first, which is sort of what I'm beginning to fear because mm. I realize a lot of people are getting close to the, the same idea. But it's recognizing that you don't have to be perfect and the environment isn't, so why would you try to be? Mm. And holding yourself to an unattainable ethical standard, go read some Roman, Sto- Roman Stoicism because mm. those guys were uh, more ethical than almost anyone in the Roman era mm. and yet even they realized that the world was largely a cesspit. Yeah. But that was a cesspit in, one in which most of the Roman Stoics won because they recognized what it was They acknowledged, I can't change this bit, but I can change this bit, and I can win. And win would mean multiple things. A lot of them ended up wealthy. A lot of them ended up with some power. Mm. And where possible, they shielded people and made things better in their patch, which is a good model for what's actually possible. And if you judge yourself against anything more than what's actually possible, Mm -hmm. you're on a path to misery and making the grief cycle continuously have a new you a pile of fuel. Yeah, so true. Too dangerous.
0: Yeah. I feel equipped to be pragmatic.
1: Yeah, and mm. it's sort of a dirty word, but in reality, how else do you be healthy in our world? Yeah. I
0: I love this quote. Um, I bring it up. It sounds kind of pretentious, but being well-adjusted, being, yeah, being well-adjusted to a sick society is no sign of health. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, don't drink the Kool-Aid. No. Um, <laughs> I, am, I feel better I feel better um, These conversations have been really constructive for me So yeah uh, Is there any, anything else that comes to your mind David? I'm, I'm kind of settled
1: I think just the, the last thing to reinforce is Everyone if you're struggling mm. Do a skills audit Don't be obsessed by the thing that's gone wrong Make sure you can see two pictures What's gone wrong and the grief that goes with it And all the skills that have That will allow you to push forward if you choose And two, be careful of your language. If you say you accept something, it has big baggage. Acknowledge some things that they exist and which bits are beyond your control. Mm. But then also acknowledge which things you can affect. So don't accept things, acknowledge them. Because accepting them says it can overwhelm me. Acknowledging says, well, I know it's there. And I know I only have this much power. And I know the world neither cares or wants to crush me so I have to find my way to wiggle through a world that neither cares or wants to crush me.
0: Thank you for acknowledging my pain today, David.
1: I hate to say I'm happy to do it, but I'm (laughs) glad to help. (laughs) And thank you, audience.
0: Hello, audience. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share your favourite episodes or leave us a review if you really love us. We'd love to hear from you. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter at Blind Insights or send us a recorded question to the email in the description to feature on an episode. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out.